0: When facing a family law matter, it can feel like an overwhelming and never-ending court process. It's vital to know that things will look better on the other side if you hire legal counsel with the skill and compassion to help. It's Stenge Law Firm. We represent clients in difficult family law matters every day. Visit familylawrepresentation.com to schedule your consultation. It's familylawrepresentation.com. Stenge Law Firm, here to help you rebuild your life. Stangee Law Firm
1: has an office in Wichita. Kirk Stangy. 120 South Central Avenue, Suite 450 Clayton, Missouri. Switching to Shopify helps you sell smarter at every stage of your business. Take full control of your brand with your own custom online store. Wow, looks amazing. Find more customers with our easy-to-use marketing tools. Piece of cake. And let the best converting checkout on the planet do its thing. Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Switch to Shopify today for a $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com/listen.
0: Welcome to season five of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we talk with enterprise and technology platform leaders about the people, processes, and platforms that make marketing and customer experience successful, scalable, and sustainable. This is what creates an agile brand. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom advisor and consultant for Fortune 1000 marketing and CX leaders and teams as principal and chief strategist at GK5A, and best-selling author, keynote speaker, entrepreneur, and Agile certified coach. The Agile Brand Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full-stack technology services, talent services, and real-world application. For more information, go to teksystems.com. To sign up for the Agile Brand Newsletter and get the latest insights and articles on marketing technology and CX, or to purchase a copy of my latest book, House of the Customer, go to gregkillstrom.com. You can also find all my books on Amazon and other retailers. And now on to the show. There's a lot of talk these days about consumers' data privacy, and with good reason. With many high-profile data breaches exposing customer data, as well as a lot of uncertainty about how consumers' data exactly is being used, there have been moves from both a regulatory perspective, such as GDPR in the EU and CCPA in the state of California, uh, to provide greater protection for consumers and their data. Yet we also see that when customers have trust in a brand to use their data well, they're open to providing more information. For instance, a recent MediaMath survey showed that 74% of consumers are willing to share preferences, interests, and demographic information directly with brands if that would improve their online shopping experience. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of consumer privacy in fostering stronger relations between platforms and customers. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Fiona Campbell-Webster, Chief Privacy Officer at MediaMath. Fiona, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Greg. Yeah. uh, So why don't we start by you giving a little background on yourself as well as what you're currently doing at MediaMath.
1: I came into working as a a lawyer and privacy officer in ad tech with a background previously um, as a lawyer, but my interest in law started before that when I was a singer songwriter and I'd worked in sort of early digital music areas and the early era of, you know, thinking about how I could. Um, move away from the the big record companies, and you know, struggling with that, or independent record companies, and looking at how we could distribute our own content online, and how that could be monetized, and so that got me really interested in the distribution of content, whether it was music or or uh, you know, film, or you know, how it's evolved into sort of the Netflix experience now. And what the laws were around that and how we could uh, monetize that content as well through uh, ultimately through advertising. So these two areas of uh, content distribution and, and advertising and supporting of that content distribution and the democratization of uh, uh, individuals being able to support their own content and build their own companies like that was what really brought me together to um, help advocate and support this area. And and now looking to the future, thinking about, well, okay, it's really built out like this. Now, how do we mature this industry in a way that people can feel comfortable with getting those personalized experiences in a way that they can also have that self-governance around their own identity? Yeah
0: yeah well that's great and your your experience then that's that's really interesting you have you've got content creation you're a consumer of course as we all are as well as a lawyer so that's 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 an interesting you have three different ways of of kind of looking at things so let's let's start by talking about uh, how when brands and platforms embrace greater consumer privacy it creates greater trust a better customer experience, as well as a better overall relationship between advertisers, platforms, and and consumers. So the the media math survey I mentioned at the top of the show was really interesting to see and had a few other great insights as well. For instance, 71% of consumers are comfortable sharing an email address with brands if that would provide personalized online experiences, offers, and advertisements. So consumers aren't 100% against sharing information. Uh, They just want to have comfort in knowing their data is going to be used responsibly. So how does an advertiser build that trust with their customers?
1: So you have to really start with thinking, like, why are we even doing this? Like, what's Mm -hmm. the point of actually trying to target an individual? And the whole point is to be able to offer that individual something that you think is going to be helpful to that specific individual. So it's about engagement. And just thinking about your own experience, if you're getting information coming in all the time, and there's so much information out there, you you just shut down psychologically, and you, you don't really want to engage with anything. And then you feel really isolated from that, because you don't know what to get, you want something, you need something. But how do I really find it in this world of so much information? And so that's the reason all of this, um, you know, getting to the individual and offering them something that could be helpful to them or of interest to them is the whole reason behind this. But at the same time, the person doesn't want to feel like, you know, everything about them just because they want something. So what's this trade-off that we're going to have here? I I want the brands to be helpful to me, but I also, and I want them to know a little bit about me. So, you know, maybe my email's okay, because I'm sort of sharing that on emails as well. And But how how are they going to do that in a way that then sort of is mindful about my boundaries around what my, my personal identity is? And so... Thinking about it from that perspective and coming through from that lens of why does this even matter to us as a brand? Why does it? What matters to the consumers is going to help create that broader ethical framework around how do we do this in a way that's going to build that trust. And the way to do that is to let people know what you are doing and why you are doing it and the purposes for what you are doing. And that's all the data principles around you know purpose limitation, um, you know data retention periods, for so I more. Well, Why do they need this data for so long? Or uh, what are they adding to this data to know about me? So really thinking about it in that way and not just in complicated legal terms or complicated um, data flow terms, but in human terms about what we're doing and why it matters.
0: Before we continue, I'd like to introduce you to a sponsor of the show, Basecamp. Throughout my career, whether it was at my own agency or now as a consultant, Basecamp is what we rely on to help keep projects on track, on schedule, and on budget. It takes a straightforward approach to project management, it streamlines workflow management, and definitely keeps the team in the loop and on top of ongoing updates, which all are major components in a smooth running operation. No matter if it's a simple campaign or a multi-million dollar project, Basecamp has been a key ingredient in the recipe for a successful project and business. If you're struggling with projects, sign up for Basecamp. Their pricing is simple and they give you all their features in a single plan. No upsells, no upgrades. Go to basecamp.com agile. That's basecamp.com A-G-I-L-E and try Basecamp for free. No credit card required and cancel any time. Thank you, Basecamp, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to the show. You know, a lot of this comes down to brands building what's often termed as a first-party data strategy. And can you talk a, about exactly what what is a first-party data strategy, maybe for those a little less familiar? And, and how can a brand that might have been mostly reliant on third-party data and uh, in the past might work their way towards this more first-party uh, data approach?
1: There's a lot of uh, talk in industry at the moment about you know, the challenges with first party data as well. And I'll sort of come back to that. Um, But, you know, third party was something that could sort of be broadly put on or a a broader collection through third parties. And you can build up your audiences that way. And with first party data, it's the data that's collected directly from whether it's the publisher site to the consumer on their site, or whether it's the advertiser site or through their emails. It's a a one-to-one connection with the consumer and it's it's that level of control that is the element that when people are talking about it's more privacy first or it's more privacy centric that's not necessarily a legal construct it's talking more about the fact that the consumer knows who you are because they've been on your site or interacted with you directly in some way and um, they then have a little bit more direct knowledge and understanding of like, okay, I'm okay with uh, this publisher, I'm okay with this advertiser sharing my information um, in the first party uh, deterministic style, it would be like an email address sort of through a logged on interaction with, with the site or a, another way that the brand or the publisher has uh, an interaction with the consumer so they'll have their you know consumer, their CRM data. Um, yeah. It's using this data in a way That with the consumer knowing that they've given it to you and it's not a third party that's come to collect it is the, um, again, the psychological piece about the the consumer having real direct awareness so that when they're giving you that data, they understand they're giving you that data and you've disclosed the purposes for that data. So um, the element of meaningfulness uh, is... um, uh, directly addressed in, in in a greater connection. So so that builds a little bit more of that trust and transparency because when third parties are collecting on on your site it's more difficult for the consumer to understand who all those third parties are. So there's another layer in the chain. Yeah.
0: The beautiful.
1: challenge here though is for the first party data collection that not all brands have already started to build out a first party data strategy. And because they may not have that direct retail interaction or online interaction with their consumers, so there may be another layer where they need to sort of get further information that they need to help them uh, uh, target those consumers. And that might be a a second party data strategy. So um, I think to the extent that a, a brand or a publisher has the first-party data, they need to use that, but they also need to sort of think more broadly about what partners they're going to be collaborating with to be able to build the scale and reach that they need when third-party data strategies that are of that ultimate broad scale go away.
0: Yeah, and uh, if we could talk a little bit more about that, even you know, because the a lot of these advertisers, to your point, they haven't always had a direct relationship with their customers, they've been, you know, they've been advertising, but reliant on third party data to, um, to target those, uh, those people, what, are, what are some ways that, that brands might, I guess, wean themselves off of third party data for lack of a better term and, and, you know, adopt this, this more third part or first party or, or even second party approaches, as you mentioned as well.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to need to go down um, several lanes at the same time, um, looking at each of these strategies in in tandem and make sure that they're working with uh, partners that can help them build out these strategies. And so it's like going up a step. So if you started from third party, you may need to step up to second party first if you haven't got first party a first party strategy and and build on that second party and in the same time start building your first party relationships and look what that think about what that's what's needed operationally to do that because all of these things they take resource they take time and there's a cost element to it so you're going to need to look at all of these pieces together and build out that um, staged approach where you can get to that first party strategy, but you will probably still need some second party data as well to get mm-hmm. that scale and to sort of build out what that looks like. For MediaMath, we've been building in our uh, identity graph, building out with our first party identity solutions and connecting them to our connected ID, our CID, and our graph, building that out through deterministic. IDs, but also probabilistic IDs like ID5. And we're we're sort of like looking at it in a holistic way so that we can give that flexibility and scale to our customers. And so you're going to need that more curated approach and work with partners that are sort of building on all these different lanes so that you can get a a cohesive overview and get the reach and scale and flexibility that, that you're looking for.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes sense, and and so you know, there's also a, a timing component to this, right? So Apple, Microsoft, some others have have recently made some some changes to the way that they handle third party cookies as well as mobile device tracking. And uh, you know, as of recording this, Google uh, they they pushed back their 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 own deadline a couple times yet, but you know, they are going to eventually be moving forward with some third party cookie deprecation and all that. So you know, there is a a looming time horizon as well, so this kind of puts brands and platforms in a bit of a limbo um, situation right now. So, how much should brands be taking this this into account? I mean, again, there's already some some things in place that are different, and uh, we'll get to to some more of that in a in a second here too. But you know, how how seriously should brands be taking this timeline, and how should this factor into their decisions?
1: So we're talking about. The future state in the present, and we need to really um, prepare for the future, which is right around the corner. It doesn't really matter what Google or Apple are saying. We're moving into a maturation of the digital landscape um, globally. That's why we're seeing such a proliferation of laws and regulations because it's an awakening that's happening. It's so the world is so saturated with um, a digital connectivity that we can't go back into the past. We can't go back into a time where, you know, it was just we were sending letters and we were doing sort of all sorts of things or, or even into the early stages of the internet. The world has never taken a backward step in any kind of uh, technology. So we have to move forward. And what we know now is that we built uh, this great connectivity but we need to move forward to refine it and find a way that we can balance all these objectives balance this need for getting helpful information and this need for a level of privacy but how do you do that because you have to get that information to that individual right. so there's uh we have to lean into the frameworks and we have to do it now and and it's great that there's been an opportunity for a delay on some of these things because it was too early to just sort of like yeah. cut it off at the knees. Yeah. So this is great, but the time is now to to start building out these strategies and to act. And, and there is no way back. So anyone who thinks there's like a way back into the past it, it is like not looking at the history and seeing how um, society is always moving forward. And you even look at things like, for instance, let's look at Netflix that said they would never do advertising at all. Right. But the future of um streaming television when i started getting into it i started off in broadcasting as well um after you know being in in music and i was working in um early cable television in the UK. But I always saw because I'd had this sort of eye to the music industry and what they were doing with, you know, distributing music and how they were moving forward, that that was the future. And it had to be, we'd already had these um, conversations about, well, how, how do individuals want this? Are we going to get them charge the micropayments? Like, people don't want to be charged for every single interaction. They don't want to be blocked for every interaction before they get onto a site. They want this ease of interaction and that's why they're prepared to exchange a certain amount of their data for this ease of use and for the access to this information and for this beautiful content that they're going to get access to. And so, and, and many people now, when we're looking at the economy, particularly as it's sort of starting to struggle on a global level, they're looking at like the bottom line on what they're spending their money on. And if you get all these micropayments adding up on all these different subscriptions, before you know it, you're in hundreds of dollars. And that really hits the bottom line of families and homes. And, and yet they, they need this access to this content as well as part of like not only the entertainment but like connection to society because that's what we're used to now so lean into it i say build those strategies out now this is the pathway forward at some point the gate's going to come down on the past and we're only going to be in this place and it's going to be sooner than you think
0: yeah yeah no, i think i think that's that's great advice and uh you know speaking of of the the financial component of this. So, you know, in, in addition to the consumer side of this, there's obviously a lot of money on the table with advertising and, you know, the advertisers. So, a, a recent article that you wrote referenced the fact that app, Apple's data privacy changes cost Facebook about $10 billion in, in ad sales. And there are a lot of companies built on the usage of, of third party data. What other impacts to the advertising industry do you see happening over the next, you know, let's say, you know, 24 months or so as, as the world starts preparing for these changes.
1: Well, I, I'm really concerned about big tech being able to monopolize the opportunities to individuals that the open internet has provided for so long now. And then you get into this position again as a consumer wondering well, who can I trust, you know, the information that's out there. So it comes into this sort of disinformation element as well. If there's only a few big walled gardens that are controlling your access to that information, we're getting into an area where freedom of information and, and democracy can really be impacted. Yeah. So I'm very concerned that this is being framed up in a way that is being put forward is like we care about your privacy. You know, it really needs to be when we're talking about privacy, something that's done across all opportunities for consumers, rather than herding people into these channels, and then being able to control the information that they're actually getting access to. And so that's the real challenge here. And even if Apple's um, intentions were to Truly care about people's privacy. The fact that the outcomes of what they've done seem to uh, indicate that it was more of um, a commercial and competitive advantage yeah. that they were looking at it is very disappointing. Yeah,
0: yeah, to completely agree. Well, um, one last question before we wrap up. I mean, you've given some great advice already, but you know, do you have one more piece of advice you would have for for brands as they? navigate these months ahead and, and determining how to navigate this this area of consumer data privacy.
1: Yes, I think it's time to really take stock of what you're doing with your own privacy policies and your notices to individuals um, that interact with your brands. In California, the the Attorney General's case against Sephora really is something that you 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 should look into read about, understand what kind of disclosures you need to put on your site. Once CPRA comes into effect on January 1, 2023, it's no longer a position of just do not sell my personal information. It's do not sell and do not share. So even if you had some sort of uh, understanding that you were not selling information before, that's no longer going to really stand up. So, See, talk to your privacy attorneys, lean into some of these privacy uh, companies like Safeguard Privacy, Catch, OneTrust, really start to dig in now and and do an update before January 1, 2023, because there's no longer going to be a look back period or there's no longer going to be um, a period where you can uh, fix any faults on, on the statements that you're making on that 30-day cure period, it will be gone. So it's time to you know really make sure you're, you're ready to go on January 1, 2023.
0: Great, great. Well, Fiona, thanks so much for joining the show. For those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with you and, and what you're doing at MediaMath?
1: Oh, yeah, great. Well, we've set up a, a privacy, security, and identity hub on our website. We've recently put up some tips and tricks for our clients, but they'd be great for anyone in this industry. You know, We'll be updating that regularly. So so please um, go to our mediamath.com website and look at our identity security and privacy hub.
0: Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Fiona Campbell-Webster, Chief Privacy Officer at MediaMath for joining the show. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.gregkilstrom.com. That's G-R-E-G-K-I-H-L-S-T-R-O-M.com.